गुड इवनिंग एवरी वन सपोर्ट for all these years thank you hampton roads church thank you richmond church thank you philadelphia church thank you baltimore thank you montgomery county thank you greater frederick church also the detroit church and indianapolis and uh, grand rapids church and all the uk churches thank you thank you thank you for your love and encouragement for all these years the title of my lesson is now no other way so before i preach uh, i would like to share a few things my wife would like to share some good news and some information about india and our region so first we like to introduce our family So we have uh, three adults, all grown-ups. Uh, they all working. Uh, Natasha, Joshua, and Tanya, and uh, they all got baptized. But pray that uh, two or five older kids are not doing that great spiritually. So pray that they will find strength in God and stay faithful to God. So please keep them in our prayers. But we are grateful for. years and years of love and affection we have received from many of you for our family so little bit about our region we belong to asia and as you can see asia has got 4.5 billion people 60% of the world lives in asia and north america which you belong to Five hundred seventy-nine million eight percent. The reason I'm sharing this information is there's so much work to be done around the world, yes. definitely in Asia. Yeah. And what you do to support the work in Asia is a big blessing. You're blessed abundantly in America, and we are blessed because you're blessed. Because we can start new churches, send out new mission teams, support our workers, and see the churches grow and multiply. So, please, America, continue to support the work in Asia. We need you. We need you, and we thank you for all these years of sacrifice. This is uh, the map of South Asia, and you can see. we cover many countries and you can see the population in our part of the world india alone is 1.3 billion people pakistan is 185 million bangladesh 158 million afghanistan we don't have a church 31 million nepal 28 million sri lanka 
Bhutan and Maldives, as you can see, we are totally 1.7 billion people in just South Asian region. We need your prayers. And the, the, the countries marked red has churches and the other three countries, we don't have a church yet. India alone has got 29 states and seven union territories. And seven union territories, are, they're like states. We have 22 main languages, totally around 1,600 dialects. In Bangalore Church, where Kerala and me are part of, we have five services happening in five different languages. We have a church service in English, in Tamil, and Kannada, in Telugu, and Hindi. Because they come to church, if you speak in Hindi, some of them won't understand. If you speak in Tamil, some of them won't understand. So we need to meet the needs of all the language people in our cities. So we started these five different services. When you have combined service, the preacher usually preaches in English and usually one point of the message is translated into Tamil. The other point is translated into Kannada, so at least some crowd can understand at least one point. So this is a unique challenge in our part of the world. India, you know, is a very diverse country. The religions, 80% is Hindu. Then we have many other religions like Islam, Sikhism, Buddhism, Jainism. A lot of isms are born in our country. <laughs> And Christianity is a small minority of 2.3%. And we need your prayers. Amen. As you can see in the next slide, Hinduism depicts worship of over 330 million gods. That's a lot. And uh, I don't know how they came to the number of 330 million. It's a lot of counting that had to be done. <laughs> but it's true. Everywhere you see temples, everywhere you see idols being worshipped, every family has their own family deity. And uh, it's a very complex religion. And uh, amazingly, in, our, in India, more than 50% of our Christians are from Hindu background. They converted from Hinduism to Christianity. So it's amazing to see what God has done, even though the most of the country is uh, Hindu. I want to share about South Asian churches. We have, in five countries, 64 churches are there. And we are right now membership of 6,691 disciples. This year, so far, we had 554 baptism and restorations. The churches are growing. In the last eight years, it's been continuously growing every year. But we need to grow more because we are still a small drop in a big ocean. Talking about Bangalore Church, this year we celebrate 30-year anniversary. It, uh, it's a special moment for the church. And we thank uh, Mark and Nadine Templer, Mohan Nanjandan,
and all the missionary members who came from London, who sacrificed and who came into an unknown world and reached out to people and studied the Bible with people, baptized people and we thank them for the sacrifice and thank everybody who has contributed to the growth of the church. Right now we are 1,383 disciples, the largest church in India. And uh, this year so far we had 95 baptism and restorations and the church is growing. This is the best that we ever been as a church in Bangalore, also the best the church has ever been in terms of even, even for South Asian churches. So we are grateful for what God has done all these years. We also want to uh, uh, inform you that the Bangalore church and eight other churches have become self-supporting. Wow. So Amen. it's just a miracle that we've been praying for for many years. And we thank God that you have set an example and you also pushed us to that direction. I thank the leadership uh, of Ed and Deb and Mike Fontenot and uh, Tess Fontenot and the elders here. You all have encouraged us to move in that direction. God has blessed the churches and uh, we thank that God that we are able to be self-supporting and that that doesn't mean that we don't need to support anymore. <laughs> These churches don't need us up your support for the rest of India. We need to evangelize. We have to evangelize Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Nepal and we need you to keep continuing to support us. Amen. So, some more good news. My wife will share. Good evening. It is such a joy for me and Dinesh to be able to be here with all of you. And we are just so excited to be part of the ACR. I uh, want to say a big thank you for all that you do to support the work in South Asia and uh, to help advance the gospel in that part of the world. God is doing amazing things in India and, and all the other surrounding countries that's part of South Asia. I would like to share some news about the church in Pakistan. As you are all aware, there's a lot of danger that happens in that country. And, uh, you know, we have four churches there with 350 disciples. Just last month, the Lahore church with 200 disciples had an invitation service and they brought 500 people to church. You know, in spite of all the dangers and hardships that they face, they're still so evangelistic and so fired up to share the gospel. Uh, you know, you have heard of the bombings of church, other church meetings in that country. And because of that, uh, the, the church, our church in Pakistan have to find protection and they had to organize their own security, which means that when you come to church, you are, in, you are ushered in by someone with a gun and metal detectors. Uh, because uh, the government has... Um, not provided any protection for these churches and the, the church themselves have to take care of this. And coming to church itself is very dangerous. But in spite of all that, the disciples are so fired up. They share their faith. They come to church with their families and the children in spite of the danger that they face. Yeah. They have to count the cost. Just coming to worship on a uh, Sabbath day. And uh, you know, God is blessing their work amazingly. Shakil and Poonam leave the church there and they're doing a great job. I also would like to share about a sister Meena. 
Sorry. Can, can we have a slide of uh, Pakistan? That's the Pakistan church. Next slide, please. That's the security that Callum was talking about. They had to hire gunmen to protect our people when they come to church. So ushering is with high security guns. I'd like to also share about uh, Dahalan Poonam, who leads the church in uh, Kathmandu, uh, ch church in Nepal. It's a beautiful country and uh, you should visit. And in spite of all the recent challenges of earthquake and many challenges, the, the church continues to grow in Nepal and so proud of Dahalan Poonam. Uh, they were leading the church in Biratnagar before they moved to Kathmandu. And Biratnagar is a city closer to India and, uh, and Poonam actually was baptized in India as a teenager. On one of the visits I visited Pune many many years ago, like 20 years ago and I met her and I found out she's from Nepal and I encouraged her to move to Nepal for a month. She never returned back because she married the Hall and, and, uh, and that was it. She stayed there and they became the church leaders of Nepal, all the churches in Nepal. Biratnagar is a city uh, with a lot of snakes and Poonam hates snakes. And uh, for two years they left the church there and they grew the church. But very often they will find snakes in their house. And, uh, and she always would complain to me saying, Bro, tell my husband to move out of this place full of snakes here. And, uh, but Dahal was like, we didn't evangelize Biratnagar. Last year, unfortunately, she got bitten by a snake. And, uh, and she came back, she, she miraculously survived, nothing happened. But she said, now I have no fear of snakes. <laughs> and they moved to Kathmandu and the very first thing when she was driving in Kathmandu, the first thing she saw was a snake in Kathmandu. So snakes don't seem to be leaving uh, Poonam's life. We're so proud of them. They lead the church in Kathmandu. The Kathmandu church is a growing church. I want to share about Colombo. Premier Aruna lead the church in Colombo. And it was dead, uh, led, uh, recent before them, uh, David and Nadia sent from here. Thank you for training them and sending them there. doing a great job. And Colombo church is a great church and is a growing church. And uh, Premier Aruna was not getting visas because Indians don't get visas. So they're trying to figure out how do I stay back in Colombo, in Sri Lanka, to get a visa. So approach many ways trying to find, maybe start a business, start something. Finally, they found a Catholic theology college and they enrolled themselves in the Catholic theology college just to get the visa. You got to do whatever it takes to stay as a missionary and to be an evangelist in in any, any any part of the world. So they are there and they got a visa for next two years. So praise God. Yeah. Also we want to thank uh, God for Amir Khan. He's a brother from uh, baptized in Colombo. He's from a Muslim background and he and his friend studied the Bible and got baptized. They went through intense persecution. And now 
Amit Khan is an intern in the Colombo Church. He is preaching the gospel and making disciples. Amen. Sumitron Pompey, they lead the church in Dhaka, Bangladesh, another Islamic nation with so many problems. But they do a great job. They both came down to Bangalore to join the School of Mission. They got trained because some of the leaders left and they went back and they're leading the Dhaka church. So proud of them. And the Dhaka church is continuing to grow by God's grace. Finally, I want to share about the School of Mission. It was established in January 2012. Thank God for the Beam Mission Fund. And uh, we're able to uh, recruit uh, brown sisters who want to serve God because till then we didn't have an opportunity we didn't have the finances to start something for young interns we trained so since 2012 the school of mission has been running and we have been supported by the South Asian Mission Society as well as the Beam Fund so we have had 24 graduates so far 20 of them are employed in full-time ministry all over South Asia Three of the countries around us are led by School of Mission uh, graduates and four other churches in India are led by the School of Mission graduates. So we praise God that God is using this mission school to train young people to dream great dreams for God and be useful to advance the kingdom of God. Finally, the story I'd like Caroline to share. Yes, I'd like to share about this girl Ninu. When she came to church, she was not 18 years of age and she uh, was invited on campus by her friend who is a disciple. She started coming to church and uh, was very interested in studying the Bible. But there was a problem. In India, we cannot convert anyone who is under 18. And she is a tribal girl and uh, there is a law against converting tribals. You can go to prison for three years and also uh, pay a fine. But uh, this girl had a, you know, a very uh, notorious background and so she was very interested in the message of the gospel. She started coming and studying the Bible and halfway through her education, her parents told her that they couldn't support her education. So she decided to move into her friend's house and she started working as a domestic help so she could stay in the city and continue to study the Bible. So. Uh, we waited for her. She studied. She was there in the city, coming to church for three years and studying the Bible uh, until uh, you know we decided. She decided that she wanted to be a disciple, and the church leaders were very uh, nervous about converting her because of this law. And you know they called us. They took advice from us, and we decided that probably we would just convert her without letting her family know, so she could be safe, and the church they could be safe as well. So on the day before her baptism, she was so fired up and she was so excited about her repentance. She had a lot of questions about forgiveness. She wanted to know if God would really forgive all the things that she did. And she was just so excited about uh, making Jesus the Lord of her life that she herself went and spoke to her family about her baptism. You know, uh, the very thing that we were afraid of, but her parents gave her permission, they were okay. And just last week, she became a disciple in the church in Ranchi. God is doing amazing things with the youth. And I also want to share about Varsha. Uh, 
Varsha Pichamuthu just got baptized a month ago and as a 20 day old disciple, just 18 years old, she chose to take a gap year and go uh, do a one year challenge in Bangalore. And you know it's amazing to see how God is moving the hearts of the youth in India. So thank you for all your prayers and thank you for all that you do to contribute to the work in India. God bless. Amen. Let's turn to Book of Acts. Book of Acts. Chapter 4. But before that, you know, just looking at Book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, you know, Jesus ascends so that the Holy Spirit can descend. Jesus called the disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus wanted a global moment. He wanted disciples to stay in Jerusalem first, work on the local mission, then go on to regional mission in Judea and Samaria, but he didn't want them to stop there. He wanted them to go to the ends of the earth. We are all about global missions. We start where we are, but we don't stay where we are. We keep moving, we keep preaching, we keep sending, we keep baptizing, we keep growing, we keep multiplying till Jesus returns. Jesus wanted that. So the disciples waited in prayer for the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And, and Peter preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. And he laid the foundation of what it takes to be a Christian. That was his first sermon. He said in Acts chapter 2 verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus. Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 41 it says those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. This was the way laid down by the Holy Spirit for someone to become a disciple of Jesus. This was the way that God intended for anyone to come into Christ. This is the way and there is no other way. They have to accept this message. And the Bible says those who accepted the message were baptized. And what is the message? That Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. They could not deny either of them. They have to believe that He is both Lord and Messiah. 
and they needed to repent and not just repent but be baptized and that too for the forgiveness of sins so to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit 3,000 were baptized and the church was given birth on that day and what a glorious day that was to see so many getting baptized at the same time this new church filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the new heart transformed by the Holy Spirit and forgiven of their sins they met daily and they sat at the apostles feet learned they ate together they prayed together and what are the result they had daily baptism the scriptures the Lord added to their numbers daily isn't that what we dream of that every church grow daily Come on, Dinesh. That's what the Bangalore church needs to do. We only 95 baptisms and restoration. But that's not daily. But our prayer is that we do daily. There was a time, many years ago, in 93 or 94, I remember we came close to having daily baptism. We had 320 baptisms in one year. If God can do it then, God can do now. What about your church? How is your church doing? And what is your role in your church? What is God doing through you in your church? What's God's plan for you? He, are you just there just to be a member of the church? Or are you going to be an active fire of disciples like this disciples that you see in the book of Acts? Non-compromising, zealous, unafraid, bold. Not scared to go and share their faith. It is scary to share your faith. Not every person is friendly. Not every person accepts your invitation. Not every person entertains your conversation. But that's what these disciples did. They were so filled with the Holy Spirit. They were so transformed. They just could not stay quiet. They wanted to go and share. And that is why God added to the numbers daily then in Acts chapter 3 we read about the man who was lame from birth begging daily from those going to the temple courts he was 40 years old and apparently he was lame from birth and you know what amazed me is that he must have been there when Jesus walked into the temple courts many times he must have been there but Jesus chose not to heal him. Jesus doesn't heal everybody. Jesus doesn't do the miracles in, in the way we want it to happen in each of our lives. He chooses when and how. And sometimes we just need to wait for God's timing to be fulfilled. Like it happened in this man's life. Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus had a plan. There will be a time when he will be healed. Peter and John heals him. And the first miracle recorded in the book of Acts done by the apostles. This is the miracle. So Acts 3 verse 9 I will read. When all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called uh, temple gate called Beautiful. 
and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had excuse me at what had happened to him was leaven while the man held on to peter and john all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called solomon's colonnade when peter saw this he said to them fellow israelites why does this surprise you why do you stare at us as if our own power or godliness we have made this man walk the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god of our fathers that glorified the servant jesus you handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before pilate though he had decided to let him go you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you you killed the author of life but god raised him from the dead we are witnesses of this by faith in the name of jesus this man whom you see and know was made strong it is jesus name and the faith that comes through him that is completely healed him and as you can all see now fellow israelites i know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders but this is how god fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that messiah would suffer repent then turn to god so that your sins may be wiped out so that times of refreshing may come from the lord and that he may send the messiah who has been appointed for you even jesus heaven must receive him until the time comes for god to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets for moses said the lord your god will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people you must listen to everything it tells you anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people indeed beginning with samuel all the prophets were spoken have foretold these days and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant god made with your fathers he said to abraham through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed when god raised up his servant he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways what is this this is peter's second message that he preached and what is message all about it's all about jesus it's all about jesus he was so consumed with proclaiming jesus every opportunity he had he had to talk about jesus it was burning in his heart he says he is lord there is no other messiah there is no other prophet he is the prophet jesus is the messiah that you have been waiting for he is telling the people moses talked about the prophet from samuel and all the prophets they all pointed to jesus christ Jesus the offspring that God told Abraham about that all the people on earth will be blessed by and so brothers and sisters repent and turn to God so his sins may be wiped out so times are refreshing can come from the Lord Jesus amen church it's all about Jesus there's no other way Jesus is the way that is what peter is again and again confirming through every message that he preached that there's no other way jesus is the only way he challenged people to repent he 
challenge people that you must listen to everything he tells you. He exalted Jesus above everyone on the face of the earth. And he says, anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. From the first message to the second message, Peter through the Holy Spirit was laying down the foundation of faith for the church. Jesus is the way, he is the foundation, he is Lord, he is the Messiah, he is the Savior, the only one and there is no other. Then in Acts chapter 4 we read, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed, uh, who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem and as the high priest was there and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander and others of the high priest family that Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them rulers and elders of the people if we are being called to account for, the, for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stand before you healed. Jesus is a stone you builders rejected, which has, come, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This was Peter's third message. And what is the message all about? It's all about Jesus. He said there is no other name. No other name. Salvation is found in no one else. Period. In India, as I said, we have so many gods. It's very common that even in a Hindu home, you'll find among the other idols of Hindu idols, they even keep the idol of Jesus or they keep a photo of Jesus. And the whole idea of keeping that idol because everybody wants blessings from every god. And they found out Jesus is the good god. He seemed to bless everybody, heal everybody. He seemed to do a lot of nice things to people. And so why not? We can keep him too. So among many gods, Jesus is also added as one of the gods. And they worship. Many of them go to even churches. But they also go to temples. And maybe we think, oh, I don't do that. You know, we can say, you know, I'm, I'm not like that. You know, I don't. But you know, we have our own in a first world country. We have our own idols. We have our own idols that we keep. And we keep Jesus also on the side. We have idols of our materialism, consumerism. Right? 
pluralism. We want everyone to be accepted. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. We all need to coexist. You know, we don't want to challenge people. They go to some church. Why we should teach them the Bible? Why disturb them? And we know we have so many different gods. A career becomes a god. Money becomes God. Health becomes God. A family becomes God. And among all these gods, we have Jesus. And we so often, we just look at Jesus for His blessings. We want Him to be our Savior. We don't want Him to be the Lord. We like Him to save us from our sins. We like to save us from our health issues and do miracles, which I'm praying for today. For myself, we love the good things Jesus provides. We love all the all the good things He's able to provide you. But none of us want to take any risks. None of us want to carry the cross. We don't want to be a disciple, which means we have to make Jesus Lord, not just make Him the Savior. So, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is any anything else or anyone else taking more of your time and your interest and your life? God doesn't want us to neglect our family or neglect our work. No, but how much is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is He the Lord of your life, or is He one among many gods that we worship? You know this passage that I just read is the first recorded persecution of disciples post Christ's resurrection ascension. It's the first recorded persecution. Next 300 years, Church of Christ will experience some of the worst persecution in history, from Caesar Nero from 60 AD to Diocletian to 300 AD. The church, 300 years of intense persecution. Yeah. They were beaten, scourged, beheaded. You know, lit as living torches in gardens of Rome till they die. Nero would put skins of freshly killed animals on Christians, and they would send wild dogs and would tear them apart. Why? Because they all confess Jesus is the way. They all confess Jesus is Lord. There's no other way. But some of us say, we face persecution, but mostly probably in the persecution of our ego. We get scorned. We get sidelined. We get maligned. We feel like oh, people don't like me. You know, what you know. So we can take all these little things and feel like we are getting persecuted, and we don't want to stand up for Christ because we don't want to feel these feelings. These feelings are uncomfortable. These feelings are painful, hurtful, challenging, burdensome. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. We want a comfortable Christian life. All of us desire a comfortable Christian life. We don't want to go through any pain. We know that we need to endure the cross, but we don't like the cross. When 
the cross is offered to us, we'll say, no, thank you, you take it. When somebody calls you to join a mission team, you say, no, thank you, somebody else, please go. If that is our, if that is the attitude, then how will you evangelize this whole world? How will we spread the gospel to the ends of the earth? Jesus doesn't want to stay in Jerusalem. Jesus wants to get up, go, go to your another part of the region. If you're not able to uh, go to the ends of the earth. And some of you, you need to go to the ends of the earth. Man. Just like our many missionaries came to India. We thank God for the Boston church that sent out the Bombay mission team. Jim Blau and Donna Blau and Germa Dami and Cherry Adami and many others who came on the mission team. We thank God for them because that we have a church in Mumbai. Thank God for the Bangalore mission team. Many foreigners who came and they endured much persecution. They were taken by the police many times. They were threatened by local thugs with their lives. Some of them were deported from the country. But they never stopped sharing their faith. That's why many are still disciples in India. Amen. And that is what is going to take brothers for us to come out of our comfort zone. And the only way we can do that is when we are ready to confess Jesus the way, Jesus Lord and no other way. Amen. I love the young people of our church. They are the spark, they are the light for all those older guys, you know, who are getting old like me. And you know, we, we love the young people. You know, I love the campus and the singles in our church. Our singles are, uh, average age of our singles is like 26 or 28. We have 200 singles in Bangalore church. We love the singles. A few years ago, they were neglected bunch. How did you know we went to the singles ministry? Cal and me decided we've got to, we started looking at the demography of our church. We had two baptisms for 200 singles one year. We knew there's something wrong. We organized a leaders meeting. Out of 200 singles, seven turned up to leaders meeting. We only had seven single leaders in our church. We decided that we need to do something radical. We organized a single leaders retreat. Only singles are allowed to come to the retreat. Because I wanted to see that we need to encourage the singles. 80 singles turned up to the leaders retreat. We hired two couples to lead singles ministry. For the first time in our churches in India. Chris Hilton from Hampton Roads, Richmond. And Amoga. Amen. Great couple. They came on, a, he came on a one year challenge to Sri Lanka. Amoga went on a one year challenge, an Indian girl to Sri Lanka, they met there and they stayed there. So Chris, hopefully, will stay back in India. <laughs> he loves, he loves, he misses all of you here. This is his home. Oh, we hired Chris and Amoga, we hired another couple, Russell and Cook. Since then, singles ministry started multiplying. You know, the first year we had uh, eight, uh, 12 baptisms. Next year there were 22 baptisms. Why? Because young people can make a big difference. We need to give attention to them, challenge them, inspire them, call them to repent, and call them to make disciples. But I must also say, 
young people your generation is way soft on yourself you like your individual time the me time you heard of the me too moment that's what's happening me too okay we all are trying to meet our needs first and i want to i want to encourage you many of you are young people here campus teens singles go on a one year challenge man go on a mission team come to india come to nepal where the snakes are sorry that was a bad advertisement beautiful beaches in sri lanka beautiful mountains in nepal mount everest okay pakistan i would not encourage you to go you need to declare before you enter pakistan that you may not come back alive but seriously brothers god is calling you to step up and step out in faith because jesus lord that's what you see this peter and john doing peter and john preached the gospel they preached jesus the way they preached repentance they preached baptism and when they preached the gospel what happens it disturbed people verse 2 says they were greatly disturbed because they were preaching and teaching and proclaiming in jesus the resurrection of the dead people don't like somebody challenging them yeah here what do you see they were put in jail why because they were preaching the resurrection of the dead but it also says even though peter and john preach and they were put in jail by some of these people but many who heard the message believed and the number of men who believed grew to about 5000 so some will believe some won't but we'll never stop preaching the word same message different response some persecute some will be fired up followers some change others stay stubborn for some it is good news for others is bad news some are convicted and broken others are hardened and unmoved when jesus is preached two things happen some will be greatly disturbed but others will be greatly blessed yep because they got a chance to know jesus and follow jesus who was disturbed the bible clearly says it seems like the sadducees they were the ones who were disturbed why they are the ones who didn't believe in miracles they are the ones who don't believe in resurrection they don't believe that somebody could rise from the dead they were offended that miracles are happening who are the sadducees of course 
you see in the book of, uh, uh, in, especially the gospel, you see the main enemies of Jesus, mainly the Pharisees. They're the ones always confronting uh, Jesus. But you see in the book of Acts, you see Sadducees are doing more of that work. But the Sanhedrin was a combination of Sadducees and Pharisees. The Sadducees were rationalists and did not believe in miracles, angels or the resurrections. And believe it or not, the high priest of the Sanhedrin were Sadducees. They, the Sadducees believed in cooperating with the Romans. So they could retain their status, wealth and power and control over the temple. They were self-serving, cynical and liberal in their theology. The Sadducees controlled all that happened in the temple. That's what they did. And they were not happy that this miracle has happened because everybody could see this man who was lame for 40 years, begging for all those years, they would have seen him all those years, they walked to the temple courts, but they could not deny this miracle happened. It is one thing to read or hear about a miracle report, it's quite another to see the miracle standing right there in front of you, like this man was. And you would think at this point, the most logical step for the Sadhusis would have been to admit they were wrong, in their anti-supernatural bias, repent of it and join the church. Right? But that's not what they did. They plotted and schemed. And who was, who was Peter facing? He says that the next day the elder, rulers, elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And who was there? Annas the high priest was there and so was Caiaphas and others of the high priest family and Peter John were brought before them and questioned by what power what name did he do this and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave his next message Annas was not the current high priest he was before Caiaphas was the son-in-law, was the current high priest. And you know, the, the, the Jews always had a high priest that would stay high priest till they die. But you see, the Romans took control of the temple and they had the power to place or replace high priest. So Annas, Annas was a high priest till 1580 and Caiaphas came into his place. But Annas was held with high honor and respect by the people of Jerusalem because he was the father. He was still alive and people listened to him. And what is amazing, Peter standing before the very same group that Jesus stood before as an under trial. That time Peter was standing away from the Sanhedrin. Peter was warming himself in the outside the courtyard and denying Jesus. Now the same Peter standing before the same bunch of rulers. And Peter, you can see, was a different man. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was transformed. 
it should have been scared and denying Jesus is proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and he is unafraid unashamed of his new faith in Christ and he laid it out he challenged this high priest and he said he put the accusation back on them in verse 10 it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed Peter was a different person you know God always gives a second chance you may you may have denied Jesus many times I have I've seen so many times as a Christian it's shameful as a leader as an evangelist as a married man sin is always unacceptable to me personally to all of us and we always feel bad we always regret for all the wrongs we have done even as a disciple I'm sure Peter felt so much regret. That's why he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. He couldn't believe. He was supposed to be ready to go on the cross with Jesus. But the very same night, he denied Jesus three times. But God always gives us a second chance. God always. He doesn't leave you in your pit. He doesn't leave you in the dumps. He doesn't leave you in misery and guilt and shame. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way you can, you can live a transformed life, brothers and sisters. You don't, you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're filled with our own sinful spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are a different person. We are men who are moved by the Holy Spirit and see when men moved by the Holy Spirit, what God can do. And I can see God doing amazing things through Peter. Peter had a second chance to stand before the same Sanhedrin. This time, he did not fail. He stood up for Jesus. He didn't deny Jesus. He proclaimed the name of Jesus. He said in verse 11, Jesus is a stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Annas and Caiaphas being confronted, they had a chance to acknowledge, be humble and accept Jesus. They had just put Jesus on trial and put him on the cross just a few weeks back. But you see, they have a problem. They don't believe in resurrection. They don't believe in miracles. And they definitely don't want to give their rights to the temple. That is why when Jesus draw the money lenders, they got upset. Because they were mad because they were Jesus was taking away their income from the temple. Brothers and sisters, you have a second chance. This is your second chance. Maybe you failed. 
Maybe you, you did something and you said something you, you should not have said. Maybe you fell. And maybe you're feeling so discouraged that God can never use me again. But trust me, go get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's where it starts. And before they got filled with the Holy Spirit, how did they get filled with the Holy Spirit? They had to pray. That's what the apostles did. They prayed. They prayed. That's how you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Go. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Mm. Ask His forgiveness. Say, I'm sorry God. Give me another chance. And Jesus is always full of grace. Jesus came with grace, full of grace and full of truth. With Jesus, we can be absolutely confident that we will be forgiven. And Jesus doesn't stop at forgiveness. He wants to use people who failed. The most powerful men and women of God are the ones who failed the most in their life. Because they've seen the miracle of Jesus work in their life. They've seen the power of God resurrecting them from their sin, from their pit, and God working through them in a powerful way. If you fail, you can be the best testimony for Jesus. Every one of us here is a testimony of Jesus' miracle. Every one of us. If you don't, if you don't believe in miracle, just look around. I don't know how many people are there. There is probably 3,000, 4,000 people. Every one of us sitting here is a miracle. It is life transformed by the power of Jesus and through His Holy Spirit. We are not, we are not going to, we are not going to let our cynicism our weaknesses, our failures, other people's sins dictate how our faith should be. We are going to be transformed men and women will go out there and help others transform their life for Jesus. Let nothing hold us back from what God has called you and me to be. Let nothing, let, let nothing your failures or your weaknesses, or your own insecurities, or your fears, or your lost chances. Let that not dictate what God can do through your life today and tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, Peter, third message is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. And is firmly affirming. That is true. It is, there's no other name that salvation can be found. Salvation is found only in Jesus. Today, we need to go worship this Jesus. Exalt this Jesus. Honor this Jesus. Proclaim this Jesus. Preach this Jesus. Because Jesus is the only name by which the whole world, 7.7 billion people are going to be saved. Because there's no other name by which mankind can be saved. Only the name of Jesus. God bless. Amen.